Welcome to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we are live today on WIPR. Uh, you can reach us 410-662-8780 or email us foremanwolf at wypr.org. And uh, is I know it's your time of the year because oh it's gosh. cold. I'm so excited. I like everything about, oh my gosh, there was frost outside this morning. I'm like, oh, it's just snow. You are the snow, only please, person snow. in this area. That likes winter? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not. There are other people. I've talked I've, to a couple of them. I've, I've there aren't talking, very many. I tell you, I was, I was talking I to love the, people that love winter. They are my people. They're my kind of people. You're wel- I love you're, snow. you're welcome to your people. Well, I grew up in northern Indiana. You know I mean? I skied every day That's after school. That's not Alberta. Oh, my God. It might as well be. When I when I grew up, we would have about 165 inches of snowfall every winter. It's not No, it's not Alberta, but it was that very seems, cold up there. Well, I was seven miles from the Michigan border. We used to ski in southern Michigan. Used to snow, 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 do everything in the snow. You know, ice skate. I lived on a river. It was fun to ice skate out there. A little sledding action. Lived on a pretty big hill. Everything about winter is fun. Hey, when you live, what was actually, your favorite? What was your favorite post sledding snack as a kid? Oh, hot chocolate. My mom always was good for hot chocolate and toast. And you dunked the toast in the hot chocolate. Is that normal? Okay, do people do wait, that. Wait. Oh, wait. I wonder if that's like a Pennsylvania thing. Was this? Oh, I hot love chocolate hot chocolate and, and, toast? and toast. We would. Yeah, she would make buttery toast, and then you dunk it in your hot chocolate. Is it buttered and, toast? And honestly, Is Tony, it cinnamon toast. I have to say, I haven't thought of that Is since it toast I was a little and girl. Jam? Uh, you're you're just welcome. Regular toast with butter on it and good hot chocolate. Mom made good hot chocolate. So you, and so you end up with like, I'm gonna be a little weird here. You can end up with like buttery, crummy scum in your hot chocolate. Well, that's not a very nice word. It could be buttery, um, toasty yumminess in your it hot could chocolate. Be. But I mostly just you just dunk fussy. quickly. You dunk quickly and you eat it. You don't want it to disintegrate. You have to, it's an art, Tony. You have to know how to do it. I guess. And also, like every time I came home from skiing, my mom always had that for me: hot chocolate and and because we we when I skied when I was a ch- kid, um, you know, you went on the bus with school. That's how you got there. So, of course, they brought us back in time to get everybody to bed at a reasonable time. So I can't remember what time we would come back. I want to say 9 o'clock. And, um, yeah, I was in ski club Wait, you from came the back, time. That's very confusing. You came back from school at 9 o'clock? No, no, from skiing that's after school. That's a very school. intense school. No, okay. no, no, from skiing after school. And and actually, when I was I started skiing when I was in the fourth grade. So I was a member of the ski club. And in the, the fall, we would start exercising and doing skiing, exercising. And my teachers would say, start thinking snow now. Okay, I feel like I've been programmed for that my entire life. It's like in the fall, I start thinking snow. See, some some people actually look forward to going to the beach and things oh, like, like that. I like the beach. I love the beach. So what we're actually supposed to do is a radio program today. Oh, we're not just supposed to sit here no. and talk to each other. <laughs> and, and, and I just wanted you to get the snow stuff oh, out of Oh, can I tell system. you how to make the best hot chocolate ever? In 15 seconds. Okay. But the topic we said we're going to – actually, this fits right into the topic. The topic we said we're going to pursue was decadence because this Mm -hmm. is the time of the year that people have a lot of things to celebrate and a lot of things to be grateful for, and they tend to treat themselves a bit Mm -hmm. and and treat others a bit. You know that I like decadence. So if you – yeah, and we're not doing a program on fine jewelry. <laughs> I thought we were. Gosh, well, no. you know, if you want to call in and talk about fine jewelry, I'm here for oh you. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> wow. Yeah, someone please come in and talk with her about jewelry, then the truth will out. <laughs> well, that were cars, and then we'd be in big trouble. Yeah, no, just Am get I? the police to call. <laughs> so you can reach us, 410-662-8780. 
or email us, foremanwolf at wipr.org. Hot chocolate. Oh, my gosh. All right. So this is decadence because this is about the richest thing you will ever eat in your life. So I buy uh, Manjari Valrona. Manjari, I think it's M-A-N-J-A-R-I, dark chocolate, uh, by Valrona. And I just simply heat up cream. I add a little bit of sugar to it. So let's say for one cup of cream, I would add about two tablespoons of sugar. And about 10 pieces. So the Manjari chocolate comes in little uh, pellets, kind what of. What is Manjari, like 70%? I don't know. I, I, don't, I think it is 70%. But what's amazing about it is the qualities, the taste. It tastes just like dark cherries. Oh, my gosh. It's so, like you would say, red fruit about wine. It's so red fruit, this chocolate. I mean, if you were blindfolded and you tasted this chocolate, I think you would say it tasted just like dark cherries or bing cherries. So it's really gorgeous. This is where I'm restraining myself to be a smart aleck and say, well, why not just have dark cherries? No. So it also tastes like chocolate. So, um, yeah, so you just whisk, you begin to heat up the cream on low heat in a good, uh, as we almost always say, a heavy-bottomed pan with stainless steel interior because you're talking about uh, milk product, so you, you have high acid there or some acid there, so you want to be in a non-reactive pan, which would be stainless steel lined. And heat it up gently and whisk in the chocolate. Like I said, about 10 um, pieces of chocolate, if it's in the little, whatever those things are called, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and just whisk that in gently and keep it on low heat. Don't let it boil too, you know, it can simmer a tiny bit, but don't, you know, and then once it's incorporated, you're ready to go. And don't drink, honestly, I would drink about an espresso cup of that because I think I might have told you this before, but one year I made this hot chocolate for everybody in my family sounds at Christmas. a whole lot more like dessert, <laughs> like to have with a cognac on I the said, side or I, something. The show is decadence, Tony. This is my hot chocolate. Actually, that would be a nice dessert. Well, it turns into pot de creme. So if you make too much, all you have to do is so if you restrain yourself and only drink a little bit of it like an espresso cup well what i was going to say is everybody i made it for everybody in my family one christmas and and about an hour later my brother-in-law came over to me and he was like god i have the worst headache and i'm like so do i i think it was that hot chocolate it's weird that that brought it on for both of us but um what you can do is just i have little uh china cups and all the extra i just pour into the cups put it in the refrigerator and you have podocreme for the next day and i often will have that for breakfast tempted to run an espresso right into that hot chocolate. Oh, that no. would be fun. Oh my gosh, that would be so good. Uh, yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, yeah that would be... Oh, and, and also, I mean, and if you wanted to... schnapps on the side, you know? Sure. Not peach sure. schnapps, the sweet stuff. I mean, the, the, just... the, the high-test high, high high... spirit, the, oh. the good stuff from Austria, Reisebauer or mm. or the guys from Alsace, Trumbach, or Massenet. Fun. Fun. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing along those lines is, you know, making eggnog, which I don't know if, I mean, honestly, I think of eggnog as being decadent if you make it the way my mom made it, which, which, which is, I mean, it's, you had to use a spoon and she also put a whole bunch of Jack Daniels in her eggnog, which was surprising because my parents almost never drank. My, my, it's funny. My, my great grandmother's recipe for eggnog, which was, was the one boozy thing she ever drank yeah, that's was funny. from, my, was from her too. husband. <laughs> um, and it began with a bottle of dark rum and a bottle Ooh, of bourbon whiskey. Oh, my gosh. For like 50 people? I'm just saying, that's what it began with. Wow. There's a lot of oh. sugar and a lot of eggs <laughs> and some cream. Wow. Okay, then. Woohoo! Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I think there may have been a clove in there oh or something. Oh, my goodness. You know? Well, my mom whips her cream, whips her whites. 
um, and um, everything gets folded together, so it's almost mousse-like in texture. A little bit of nutmeg, sugar, of course, egg yolks, and um, oh my gosh, it's it's actually called Grandma Tidwell's um, eggnog because I have the recipe at home, and she got it from like Good Housekeeping magazine, probably in 1968 or something, and has made it every year. And I remember my dad used to always ask her to make it for his office's holiday party because it was a big hit. Uh huh. That's great. Yeah, it's That's fun. Great. So you can uh, you can join the conversation. You can reach us 410-662-8780 um, or email us foremanwolf at wypr.org. And tell us what sort of decadent, ridiculous things yeah. you do yeah. this time of the year. What is your tradition where you where you have a bit of a treat mm-hmm. or maybe um, you have a an eggnog recipe or hot chocolate recipe that totally to disagrees with Cindy, <laughs> um, which I'm always – Entertained by. I just like to hear what they do. Yeah, no well, question. Like my mom used to. I mean, honestly, it was cocoa powder and milk. That's what Ooh. she would do, and a little sugar. The <clears> other <throat> thing I would I would love to hear if a listener has a very special like holiday cookie, sort mm-hmm. of uh, something. There are lots and lots of holiday cookies, and I'm I'm often underwhelmed, and I'm underwhelmed because they may look like snowmen, but they don't taste like chocolate. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. Sure. Know? Yeah. No, it, yeah, Christmas cookies are a big thing, and that's just so much tradition in so many families, I, um, or any kind of holiday cookie. Um, with with us, I just made, um, they, and they have like 8,000 names. My mom always called them Hawaiian wedding cakes, and I just made That's got to be another good housekeeping, housekeeping 1958 Actually, kind of recipe. I think so, or it might even, my mother, my mother's Bible was a Betty Crocker cookbook. Um, she was given one uh, when she was married. In 1950, and um, you know, she—I mean, uh, so many of our recipes, our family recipes, came from that, or or directly from my grandmother, which would have been handed down for many generations. But um, I made the—I made them yesterday, and I'm going to give them to my neighbors. Actually, I already gave a tin this morning to one of my neighbors, and um, you know, it's funny. My mom used to make that—that that wedding cake recipe with cream cheese, and this doesn't have that in. It's all butter and and uh, ten x sugar and things, and ground pecans. And uh, I remember Gus Calaris. Used to his mother, their their family is Greek, and his mother. Oh, I mean, I swear those are the best cookies I've yeah, ever yeah. eaten yeah. in my life. She made some like every culture has a version of these cookies, and what, hers were like almost um, oval in shape. They were tiny, and they were just just like ah oh, melt in your mouth. I mean, truly the most delightful thing I think I've ever had as a cookie. And she did a lot of ten x sugar on there, so it's um. It's nice that these traditions are really uh, culturally based. I love that. Well, you know, I'm a, that's the, the Mediterranean like crumbly cookies mm-hmm. are things I'm definitely a fan of. I don't know why a lot of the Christmas cookies I don't like as much, <laughs> but th- those crumbly things or mm-hmm. or things with uh, you know with with a lot of nuts and that I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to uh, Nate in Baltimore. Nate, how are you? Hi. Um, it's. Uh that time of year. And, Cindy, I did used to do the toast in the hot chocolate after oh. I skated on the pond behind my house. Thank so you. I Thank you. brought back a really great memory. <laughs> That's nice. I was calling today because I'm thinking ahead. And it was so funny that it's decadence, about mm-hmm. decadence today. I'm thinking of New Year's Day, mm-hmm. a very small little brunch, very light um, on the food. And I've been wanting to do Australian lobster tail. And there's when I research it, there are so many, and I'm like envisioning just small medallions on maybe toast or mm-hmm. a small salad, you know, nothing very large. Mm-hmm. And I'd like your recommendation on what region 
from Australia ought I um, order it from? And also, I didn't know if there was a local purveyor you would be able to guide me toward. And then with Tony, I wanted to know if there was a wine pairing. If I were to succeed at this, I ought to consider. Sure, Nate. What? The que- question one is source on on the lobster tails. I've never, <clears throat> I have never purchased Australian lobster tails, so I can't help you with that. I've, I always get my my lobster from Maine, um, so I'm sorry to say I have no idea where you, you would get o- that. Often the colder the water, the the nicer the lobster. That's oh, you definitely a, yeah, definitely want colder that, water. That that's kind of a rule. So I'm going to guess if there are lobster tails coming from the further south points, like say around Tasmania and Australia, would most likely be the okay. The best spot. Uh, can I actually make a suggestion for the way you do your salad? Would that would yeah. you be interested? Okay, so of course I make a salad with. Um, I, I buy a tender lettuce, like a bib lettuce or a butter yeah. lettuce, and I make a reduction with fresh orange juice, fresh lime juice, and lemon juice. Uh, I add a little bit of bombe de Venise to that, and once that reduces down, I make my dressing with that. So. I add a little bit of – I put one one whole egg in the blender. I add the reduction, and I use corn oil because I want it to be very neutral. If you used olive oil, it would ruin all the flavors of the lobster. So corn oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, so you make an emulsified dressing in your blender. Um, reserve a little bit of that juice because I actually gently heat up my uh, – I basically butter poach my lobster pieces in butter and that, that citrus and bombe de venise uh, bit of that reduction. And um, and then I put – and because this is a time of the year for that sort of thing, I put a julienne of mango on the plate, um, typically sort of all tropical fruit, um, yeah. orange well, suprems. It's the time, so. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes put pink grapefruit suprems on there. But it's super refreshing. And then just lay out – you know, you can have this, you know, beautiful plate with this great lettuce and just, you know, drizzle on the dressing. And I actually I actually add a little bit of that, what I cook the lobster in. I sort of nappe it over the top of the lobster pieces, too. And also make sure you salt it. Don't, you know, give it just a tiny little bit, like each piece of lobster, a tiny bit of salt right before, you know, you're done plating. And with the tropical fruit and the citrus, oh, my gosh, it's so refreshing. And it's a great, great, like, New Year's Day happiness, makes you feel good. Honestly, just, and, just, just doing the citrus makes you feel good. So, And smiling. I am a New Englander, and I believe me, I'm all about Maine lobster. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's better, Nate. It's better. The Australian lobster tails uh, that I've had at nice restaurants and so, so forth have just been incredibly sweet and mm something like a completely different product. So that's why I was going to try to venture that way. I'm just wondering if they're going to be frozen. I mean... They will be, and uh, that's another concern. The do's and don'ts of all of that, I've never really dealt with frozen. Yeah, I can't even imagine eating frozen It'll it'll be drier to work with. Yeah, I think you have to be very careful and really gently cook it. So, Mm -hmm. all right, well, good luck. Well, thank you. If if you're putting wine with it, um, the question is to, to, to be sweet or not to be sweet. Champagne is is especially for a seller like Cindy suggesting easy and and uh, and classic and there's a lot of nice just get a very good non vintage Louis Rotary yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the other thing that you can do, I mean, honestly, if it's especially brunch, do something that's not that strong. Do uh, uh, if you want something dry, look for an Austrian Riesling from a region mm-hmm. called the Wachau, W A C H A U. Um, great big rich bone dry uh, would be nice, or from Alsace, um, something a little bit off dry, or if you if you find um, Riesling Trocken, um, which will be like eleven eleven and a half percent from uh, the Mosul. There's some very good producers. 
Uh, Joseph Hart, H-A-A-R-T, is an excellent one. And I, if I was picking out breakfast wines, that'd be high on my list. Mm. Great. Sounds thank good. you guys so sure. much. All right, Nate. Happy thank holidays. you. Happy holidays Goodbye. to you. Thank you. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, it's decadence today. For some reason, mm. I'm caving in. <laughs> <laughs> you can reach us uh, 410-662-8780 or email us formulawolf at wypr.org. And we'll be right back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. You're listening to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine here on your public radio, 88.1 WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today. You can reach us 410-662-8780 or email us foremanwolf at wypr.org and Nate's lobster call made me think about mm, mm-hmm. a, a, a menu for a lobster brunch. Okay. Um, that crab gratin that you make. Yes. Making a lobster gratin. Oh, yeah. Making it with a tiny bit, not a lot, of Calabrian chili. Ooh, I love Calabrian so chili. Just, so just enough to like to open your eyes all the way. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> not, not to hurt. Not to, not no. to, well, you but really hurt. just to balance the sweetness and the, and the richness of the dish. Mm-hmm. And then... And and really not to dominate it in any way, just to have that perfume. And uh, my favorite thing this time of the year is to use day-old baguette, mm-hmm. toast them in the pan and butter, and and break down and buy a black truffle. Oh, yeah. And cut a relatively fat slice of that. <laughs> and you put a plate in the middle of the table with those warm buttered toasts. Oh, gosh. With the slices of truffle. Yeah, and a little bit fighting over And it. a little bit of that, you know, crunchy sea salt, you know, fleur de mer, uh, fleur de sel. Fleur de sel. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, mm. that and that gratin and uh, a little green salad like with some bitter well, things. It's a good thing I don't live too far away from you. I might have to come up. But yeah, that's for some reason that that's in my well, that's in my brain for champagnes and big champagne too. Uh, you know? I, I, I well, and how would Bollinger you add stuff like that? Well, how would you go about adding the Calabrian chili to the lobster gratin? Well, when you make your gratin, are you using you're using cream in your gratin? No, it's mayonnaise. No, mm-hmm. okay. But if you did it that way, then I can see it. Yeah, mine yeah. is mayonnaise based, but traditionally it would be cream based. So you just add a little bit of fresh. You, you add just a little bit and chili, not to seeds, it. just yeah. Just, and then maybe strain it out just so you get the taste but not the texture yeah, or whatever. Exactly, that sounds exactly, good to me. I exactly. like that idea. Just enough to, that like, sounds so you like just, fun. just want that, that little bit of perfume. I may I may do lobster gratins on uh on Christmas Eve for Charles uh for the restaurant. So yeah, that's a I like that idea. Maybe I steal yeah. that idea, Tony. You've never done that before. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Let's go to uh, uh Thomas Nellicott City. Thomas, how are you? Doing well. Hi Chef. Hi Tony. Hey, hey Thomas. Uh, always always love to hear your show. Thanks. So I got a question for you on decadence. I love to make during the winter like a boeuf bourguignon mm-hmm. and and so my questions are what kind of wine and brandy do you like to put in there? And my wife is gluten-free, so how can I keep the richness of it and the thickness of it mm-hmm. without using flour, which all the recipes I see they have them coat the, the the chunks of beef to put in there ahead of time. Yeah. I, I can answer the first part of the question. Let Tony go to the second part. Um, and hi, Thomas. Um, it's it, it. I don't coat the beef. I brown it. Uh, 
in a very hot pan in, in a neutral oil, and you don't need to coat the beef with, with flour at all. But what you do need to do is thicken your reduction, your, your sauce, your braising liquid. That, that's where my roux comes in. And um, you, when I went to culinary school, uh, my chefs were probably cooking in the 60s and 70s because I, I went to school in 85. And um, a lot of them used arrowroot. And I was thinking um, that that might be a solution for you. Yes. I think one of yeah. one of the solution might be if you if you did not want to use the arrowroot, um, I would maybe use a little bit of potato in my braise, mm-hmm. along with the with the with the mirepoix and the other garnishes, the bacon and however you make yours, and some of that potato starch may thicken with when you reduce that sauce. Yeah, either that or you could just puree some potato into it. So if you add some potatoes at the end, um, maybe strain strain the sauce out, pull out some of those potatoes, and use that to puree, uh, puree it and thicken. Or you, or you can just reduce it down. You can strain the sauce off and reduce it down. Uh, but the problem is, is it it tends to get just too intense. So that's why yeah. I think you really need to add a little something. But yeah, you're you're perfectly fine to cook that that beef as long as the beef. I always pat my uh, beef with a paper towel so that there's your enemy is moisture. So you don't yeah. want, yeah, so if you pat it and then you go into this great hot pan that, you know, you're not overcrowding the pan and the, the meat's going to brown beautifully, I would totally skip the flour. I, I never do that. So, yeah, that would be great. And then Tony's going to answer my, your wine and brandy question. The one, one I don't usually put, wouldn't usually put brandy in there. I don't either, actually, but if you did, I, I kind of like that idea, so go for no, it. Well, I was going to say, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if, you're just, if you're just naturally reducing it and you want to cut some of that richness, if you added a little bit of brandy at the very end, I think that would be pretty, and that that might actually mm-hmm. kind of cut cut some of that richness. For the red wine, I will admit my favorite braised beef in France is at a restaurant called Chez Guy mm. in the village, uh, the famous wine village of Gervais Chambertin, um, and they use uh, Pinot Noir from the north part of Burgundy from Gervais Chambertin, or probably just the Bourgogne Rouge, but they also use uh, something we probably can't get. They use a little bit of the lees oh, wow. from the neat. fermentation of the wine. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, wow. In, in, wow. In, in their braise. Well, maybe you could and they, go up and they to cook, like Bassignani they, and they get cook, yeah, they, they, maybe, maybe Bert could get you some lees. That would be fun. I'd like to do they, that. They cook it for 12 hours. Oh, gosh. In, at very, very low temperature with the Thomas, do you have 12 hours? The <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else to do, Cindy. <laughs> you've, heard right. of, you've, you've heard of the slow food movement, right? <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I just want to make sure that everybody knows you don't have to cook your beef borging all for 12 hours. No. This is a story about something that Tony had, but I mean, it should take about an hour and a half, yeah. uh, typically. Just, but yes. just enough to be tender. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the other thing is with, with, with the red wine that you use, just a Bourgogne Rouge makes sense. Having the, the, the acidity of that Pinot Noir from a northern clime yeah. makes sense. If you're using something from without that kind of acidity and without the tannin that you would have in that area, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to help balance the dish the way that wine would. Yeah. yeah. So I usually use fat bastard, and it's pretty, and it actually reduces nicely. Good. But yeah. I, I'm looking. Cool. We'll try something else. Right? Thanks, Thomas. Happy Thanks, holidays. Thomas. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. I love beef working, y'all. Let's go to uh, this. This is entertaining. Brett in Baltimore. <laughs> hey, Brett. He has two questions about roast beef, butt and ribs questions. All right. Okay. Yeah, I listened in on the first question, and I think that's a great answer. But uh, what I've got to do is, first of all, I've got to cook a round roast, a bottom round roast, about two pounds today. Okay. And I don't know, should I roast it or should I braise it? Hmm. I want to get it tender. Mm-hmm. Braise it. I, I say braise it. 
Um, but you're going to have to add some fat because a round has almost no fat on it at all. So, Wrap it in bacon. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about If you do want to roast it, definitely put a little bit of, not a lot because you don't want to blow, you know, all of a sudden turn your beef into pork. But you could put some bacon on there if you're going to roast it. Um, but if you're going to braise it, I would suggest adding um, a little bit of, of bacon or some sort of fat that you may have to the pan as it cooks. Uh, and if not that, maybe finish this, the reduction sauce if you're braising it uh, with a tiny bit of cream just to give some sort of fat feeling to the dish. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, how about butter? Would that work? Well, you're, you can't add that to, well, you could baste it with butter if you're roasting it, but you can't add too much butter to your sauce because you'll just break your sauce if you're and braising it. And it'll just keep browning. Yeah, yeah. So okay. if you're roasting, the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say now the second question, which is really what I called for, uh, I would like very much to do a standing rib roast, mm. a small one, at home. Mm-hmm. In the markets, the only thing you can get is choice beef, which is fine, but it it doesn't work right. I would actually like to be able to buy a, a prime rib. Uh, I, I would expect with a little, I would expect a little lead time, a butcher can get you, get you a prime rib. Yeah, we have a couple of butcher shops around that. Yeah, yeah, just just call them and let them know this is what I want. I'm sure. Yeah, and and. Uh, is that place still open in Belvedere? I'd never go over there anymore. No. No? Okay. Um, I would say, you know, any grocery store with a real butcher uh, would be able to get that for you. Okay. okay well, that's Brett. great. Well, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks, Brett. Love your show. Thank you. Happy Thanks cooking. So much. That's awesome. That's there, There's a call I think I'm really going to like with uh, George and Anne Arundel. Let's do that. Hey, hey George, George. How are you? Good afternoon. Well, I had an idea that I think would be uh, immensely uh helpful to enjoying a great meal, and that would uh, be to, before spending the money uh, on that, to first make a donation to one of our nonprofits in Baltimore that mm-hmm. help the homeless, and uh, something like our Daily Bread or St. Vincent de Paul. And um, once that was out of the way, I think someone could enjoy their meal much more. I agree. That's very yeah. kind. A- absolutely, love, and that's a, that. that's a brilliant thought, Thank George. You, George. Thank you, George, for saying that. That's okay, awesome. you're welcome. Good man. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, thanks for the... We, we can we all use We need to be reminded reminder. of that. Yeah. Exactly. Very nice. Let's go to an email from Nia. Uh, Nia says, So I'm enjoying listening to your show this afternoon while I do housework. <laughs> In my family, we make homemade cinnamon rolls for Christmas morning mm. from scratch with thick cream cheese frosting. Mm. I have Irish coffee on the side, and it's perfect. Awesome. Yes. I think that's a great idea and sounds... Sounds so good. My my sister does this French toast on Christmas yeah, morning. Irish coffee in the morning will make things perfect. Yeah, it makes a good day, I, I guess. Um, she does a little French toast with blackberry jam and a cream cheese uh, sort of stuffing. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's just so satisfying. And dips it in, of course, the egg, egg uh, and cinnamon and a little bit of sugar. And it's fun. I love those Christmas morning traditions. So what? It's funny because the, the, that meal was always a big deal, and then you get to the end of the day. What do you on Christmas Day? Yeah, or the next. Um, oh, I think you know at that point you're just ready to to have something different. Um, you may want to deal with leftovers, and and honestly, honestly, it's a long day. So I know in our family we would just eat leftovers because it's easier for everyone. There's less cleanup. 
it's there. It needs to be eaten because typically we, I don't know if everyone's like this, but typically we have food left over. And, um, you know, that, that, that may get old the second day, but maybe not on the first day. But you could always, I often cook on Christmas night so that my sister has done the daytime and I do the nighttime. And then I, I almost always make pasta because it's something so totally different from what we had in the daytime because that's, that's not our tradition. Um, or I'll make something with sauerkraut because we all love it so much. And that is family tradition for us. So, but I, I tend to go in a different direction or we have a gigantic salad because so but everyone's so tired of you know kind of you know they felt like they have uh indulged and it's time to eat something that makes you feel better and and is refreshing and you know so that's just depends so you can reach us with your holiday traditions with your little moments of decadence call us 410-662-8780 or email us foremanwolf at wypr.org We'll be back just shortly with more of your calls, and maybe we'll sneak a little chef's challenge in here at the end. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine here on your public radio, WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And you can reach us today uh, and give us your decadent thoughts, your holiday traditions, 410-662-8780, or email us, foremanwolf at wipr.org. You know what's crazy? Hmm. People are constantly asking me all of a sudden, are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the holiday? Are you ready for New Year? Hmm. Why are they doing that? I don't know, but I'm always panicked. <laughs> I'm just panicked. I mean, in, don't it, be. It's okay. In, in, in it's our business, be... in our business, it's yeah, like we don't have time for that. <laughs> we, we'll have lots of things closed on that holiday, and yeah, I'll wake on up that and day. figure out figure out what what's going on. <laughs> the night before is the biggest day, one of the biggest days of the year. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, no, there's that's you gotta. Yeah, it's hard to figure it all out. I really don't. But if <laughs> if, if, if anyone has a suggestion for a great answer, please call. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's go to uh, Susan at Zaverna Park. Susan, how are you? Hi, Susan. I'm great. How are you? Good. Good. So I had a question. My family has always had a tradition for Christmas Eve of doing fondue, um, a really you know participatory meal with steak and then cheese. And, um, and my husband's family usually does a beef roast for Christmas dinner. And he was really kind of tossing around some ideas about how to – how to do two beef-centered meals back-to-back, both decadent but different. And so I thought I'd see if you had any suggestions. Hmm. I didn't think that's what you were going to say. Uh, no. I had a shrimp <laughs> idea already for you. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I'll take that, too. Well, I, I just think on Christmas Eve, it's kind of, if you're going to do the, you're going to do the roast on Christmas Day. Is that what you're saying? Or the yeah. beef? Okay. So on Christmas Eve, I think, you know, there's so much activity on Christmas. And a lot of families, I think, have people coming in on Christmas Eve. I just think it would be so much fun to just have, like, peel and eat shrimp and, like, you know, butter, warm butter and, you know, cocktail sauce ready to go, maybe spiked with a little bit of bourbon and, you know, if 
fresh lemon wedges already cut and just, you know, sort of have a fun, you know, something like that or and start off with oysters on the half shell. You know, everybody maybe maybe everybody jumps in and helps shuck together or if that's not possible, you know, somebody shucking. And then when everyone's trying to shuck together. Don't cut your hand, please. Please don't cut your hand. Um, (laughs) But, you know, some sort of seafood. Are are you here? You're here. Yes. Okay. You're in this part of the country. Yeah. So. Either that or, you know, I'm, I'm all about seafood. So I was thinking, you, you, or you crab can, cakes. You can make that lobster gratin we were like talking that. about. Yeah. The lo- oh, my gosh. <laughs> lobster gratin is so easy because you can either make it in one big dish or if you can get the scallop shells to make it in. I mean, it looks pretty. That's a, such an old-fashioned sort of wonderful, you know, dish. And uh, what the way I make my uh, crab gratin is mayonnaise, um, a little, uh, little bit of uh, fresh lemon juice, a tiny bit of Tabasco, a tiny bit of salt, and lots of crab meat. And then I put um, – I use panko on top. I don't add any to it. I I put a little bit of buttery panko or Japanese breadcrumbs on top, and then you broil it in the oven, and it's just so easy. All you have to do is you can make it the day ahead. You keep it in the refrigerator, pop it on a sheet pan, put it in the oven, and that's the end of that. You you can make it participatory because if you put it in in a huge vessel Mm -hmm. or a large vessel, Mm-hmm. All the things that you'd want with it, you can put in dishes around, and people can reach and do their plates. And that would be fun. But and just organize basically, like you know, gratin canapes. Yeah, but to give you a beef idea, we were just talking about uh, uh, a listener was talking about beef bourguignon. A braised dish is also, if you do want to do another beef, and since you're roasting the next day, do a, do a less expensive cut, which is what's nice about braising, so it doesn't cost as much money, and just braise something, and you could do you know mushrooms and cipollini onions and little young carrots and, you know, just add all this wonderful vegetable to the dish and, you know, maybe make some creamy polenta on the side um, or, you know, a, a potato gratin on the side. So, I mean, again, it's just a pop it in the oven, put it on the stovetop, heat it up. You can make the braised dish the day before. I mean, just it's, it's, it's an easier way to deal with everything for, for such a busy time. Sounds great. I like the polenta idea. Oh, I love polenta. Maybe some oysters to start. Yeah, <laughs> right, there you thank go. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Susan. Happy thanks, holidays. Susan. You know, my mom used to make scalloped uh, oysters. That was our Christmas Eve. And, you know, I know one of the reasons she did that. One, it was traditional to our family background. But that's also the time of the year. Yeah, and it's exactly. Oysters are great, and it's easy. And I know, I I remember she, every time we would come up here from North Carolina, which is where I lived when I was little, uh, my my family's from New York, Pennsylvania, um, mom would always get oyster crackers every time we came up because she couldn't find them down there uh, and always used oyster crackers for her scalloped um, oyster dish. So, yeah. I'd had a question the other day from someone asking about sauterne. Mm-hmm. It's, sauterne is, you know, you think of it sometimes as, well, is it old-fashioned or is it, what is it for? Hmm. So I thought that because it had that question, then last night I'm talking to a guest and they had the same question. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sauterne is the, is the sweet wine, dessert wine, often, uh, from Bordeaux. Chateau de Cam is the most famous one, but there are a lot of other excellent ones. And it's something that you won't find tons of it out in the world. But if there's a time of the year to serve it, yeah. now's the time of the year to serve it. Yeah. If you wanted something really sweet, you could make that, that lobster gratin breakfast or, or brunch that I was talking about mm-hmm. and serve that. Just oh, make that it just make it rich. I mean, just make mm-hmm. just make your gratin big and rich. Something that the acidity on that, even though it's sweet. The acidity on the wine helps keep it very balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's also, such a pretty color, too. It just looks al- like a holiday. A bottle of Sauternes with some kind of fantastic blue cheese. 
Yes. Um, you know, whether whether it's Roquefort or Stilton or, you know, Blue de Bres, what whatever it might be. The mm-hmm. sort of the richer and the and the and the funkier the mm-hmm. the better. A big gorgonzola, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dolce or something. a nice creamy gorgonzola. Mm. But that, that spoon it out of there. Mm. Yeah, that and some of those little crumbly Mediterranean cookies and mm-hmm. and uh, or some buttery brioche toast points. Yeah, exactly. That would be fun. Well, Sauternes is interesting because it's made from grapes that have hung out on the vine, and they've begun to shrivel, and they get mold on them. It's called it's Botrytis. Now, Botrytis cinerea is the the name of the mold, and it removes all the water basically, hmm. and the mold goes on the outside of the grape, and so when they crush them, they remove all of the skins that has all the mold, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what's left is super crazy concentrated juice. Wow, yeah. Mm. And they can ferment it so that it's not all the way dry, still retains a lot of residual sugar. It's super intense, usually super yeah, golden in color. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it doesn't require a whole lot to be and some satisfying. Cute, cute and beca- glass. And because the acidity is, is strong, um, and, and usually the, the the vanilla flavor from oak aging is is strong on the wines. Th- those are th- those intensities carry off. You know, l- rich food with very small amount of wine is kind of a nice thing to do. That's I, I love the idea of the cheese sitting out. You know, that's just someone. You know, it can sit out for a while. You know, it's better at room temperature, and everyone can kind of go help themselves. You could do that with a piece of Stilton as well, which is a very traditional. Uh, Che- uh, Christmas dessert, or sorry, Christmas cheese, uh, good this time of the year. So, yeah, I know. I'm thinking about the dessert wine. <laughs> I love Sauternes. It's so pretty. I mean, it's, it's so lo- pretty. It's, lo- it's lovely for dessert, but honestly, I'd, I'd like it as... With something with salty. Something, yeah, or you something know, savory. Or, you know, even like a, a rich version of that lobster salad with mango that you're talking yeah. about. Mm. A young Sauternes would be fun. Mm-hmm. You'd be f- not afraid to drink sweet wine. Okay. And I'm going to hand you a chef's challenge. Oh, it's you know, been a while. All right, yeah. here we go. So let's see what you got. Eggs, button mushrooms, chives, garlic, heavy cream, avocado, sun-dried tomatoes. I haven't heard somebody say sun-dried tomatoes in a while. Fresh corn, chicken breasts on the bone. Uh, fresh broccoli. Does that say broccoli? What's the opposite? It says broccoli. Uh-huh. Why does it say fresh? What? Spice rack, pantry. As opposed to like frozen or canned broccoli. <laughs> Or pickled broccoli. <laughs> Pantry with, does that exist? Pantry with flour, yeah, etc. I love pickled broccoli. Eggs, button mushrooms, chives, garlic, heavy cream, avocado. Uh huh. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm. Chicken breasts uh, on the bone. I like that. So they're going to be browned beautifully in the pan. Um, I'm going to roast the corn in the oven uh, ahead of time. So roast it in the oven in the husk for 45 minutes at quick, about 350 degrees. What? Quick question the chicken in the pan, you're browning it on which side first? Skin side down. And then pop it over on the other side. But I guess the sense is on the bone. Bone side first? Mm-mm. Skin side first. Okay. And then, um, so the corn is getting ready to go. I've got a pot on the back of the stove, heavily salted for, to cook off the broccoli. And I'm going to cut it into smaller pieces. And uh, let's see. I love the idea of the chicken breast with sun-dried tomatoes. So I'll make a little cake with the corn. Um, so uh, the corn, uh, uh, basically a beignet batter. Um, and I'll actually, I'm not going to make a cake. I'm going to fry them. So I'm going to make corn beignets. So a beignet batter with the corn in, I'll have a pot on the back of the stove with a little bit of peanut, well, not with a little bit, enough peanut oil to immerse. So I'm going to have these awesome 
corn beignets on the plate with the chicken breast once it's cooked and ready. I'm going to make a mixture with sun-dried tomatoes and corn oil, a little bit of finely chopped garlic that you gave me, the chives, and have this like tomato, sun-dried tomato relish going on. That'll I'll coat the top of the breast with that and leave a little bit on the plate. Slice the avocado, um, salt it nicely, and have that on the plate. And before that, I'm going to have scrambled eggs that I cook very gently with finely chopped up button mushrooms that you gave me. I'll add the tiny bit of heavy cream to it before I plate it. And so that will be the first course. Cooking the mushrooms first? Uh-huh. Yeah, finely cho- yes, finely chopped cooked mushrooms. And then add those to the scrambled eggs right at the end. And actually, I'll reserve a little bit of the chive for that. And I said, add the heavy, as I said, add the, add the heavy cream, salt, and pepper. So that's the first course. So this is obviously a brunch. So that's the first course. Just do a little portion of that, just sort of like a little appetizer, and then go to the chicken. Oh, okay. That's that. Here's Lovely. yours. I, I think it's funny when we do these blindly. And Here's my what? We have the same sort of ingredients. Well, one of them. Well, it's, it's usually the same time of year when we do it. Yeah, but I gave you a chicken, so the same too. Things. Those are available all year long. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's Sunday. Maybe it's chicken time. <laughs> <laughs> the the chicken in your case is whole though. Oh, very lovely. Mm-hmm. All right, cranberry. Probably also whole, not mm, fresh cranberry yeah. in the bag. Um, in the bag and chicken whole, all spices, all wine and liquor. <laughs> You're very generous. <laughs> Stock chicken, veal. Can I name which wines and liquors? Mm-hmm. Uh, carrots, parsnips, celeriac, onion, garlic, sauerkraut. Pork ribs, potato. It's like two meals in one. Yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> Let's see. Weirdly, we've been talking about braising and braising and braising. The pork ribs, I actually want to braise those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but then get them crispy again in the pan afterwards. Since you gave me all wine and liquor, I'm going to braise them in Riesling. Mm. Uh, and you said all spices. If there's a little bit of brown sugar in there, I would throw a little bit of brown sugar in there as well. Although that's not a spice, but yes, you can have brown I'm, sugar. I'm just, I'm, I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it. <laughs> that's I'm not pushing a spice, it, right? Tony. <laughs> um, the, the carrots and some of the onion and some of the garlic, I'm going to sweat all those guys off and bring them up with the sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's, yeah, like you said, you gave me two meals. <laughs> so that's one dish. So there's your, there's your pork rib, your braised crispy pork rib appetizer. You give me all spices, like so. Um, there's, uh, well, the chances of those pork ribs being a little bit spicy, probably pretty good. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, whole chicken and cranberries and parsnips. And, okay. I just love the idea of cranberries with chicken. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Of course. Mm-hmm. You give me no anything to stuff it with. Let's see. Um, I've got parsnips and celeriac and potato and onion and garlic. So I'm, you gave me no dairy. So instead of making a gratin, I guess I'm going to make a hash out of the root vegetables after sweating that garlic for a little while and getting a lot of flavor in that pan and in that oil. I'll make a hash with that and probably use uh, the chicken liver uh, to flavor those root veg for the hash. And then what in the world with the cranberry? Um, well, if you're thinking sauerkraut and cranberry, I sure didn't do that. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't so, thinking that. And I would make stuffing with the cranberries because while it's kind of weird, <laughs> it could be, you know, like a little bit of mace or something to sure. it. And that that would, would, would be reasonable. Um, 
You gave me stock. The uh, let's let's poach that chicken in the stock. Mm. And let's Are you make poaching it whole or breaking it down or I'm going to break it I'm going to break it into halves into okay. legs and breasts. Okay. And uh, but poach both halves. So almost like a pot of food. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll do the hash instead of the vegetables in the stock. And I guess the cranberries have to be some kind of a relish or something. I mean, there's no, you give me, well, they're plenty tart. Could always make cranberry yeah. sorbet. That might be fun. Yeah, pot of food with uh, For your cranberry dessert. sorbet. For your dessert? I guess so. Cranberry sorbet. You, you, you give, you give me no sugar. I guess I guess I you can have, can have sugar. Yeah. You can have sugar. That's That's not unreasonable. You already have brown but sugar. Honestly, the, the, <laughs> that the, you got for yourself. The ribs somewhere. followed by pot of food with <laughs> you had the, some in your the, back pocket with that garlicky root vegetable hash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. Why not? Okay. All right. So that was good. All right. So this is exciting. So this is an email from Liz. Um, Dear Tony and Cindy, this recipe for the world's this is the recipe for the world's best eggnog. Yes, comes from the Royal Canadian Navy's headquarters officers' mess. <laughs> I love it. I often have wondered what the Royal Canadian Navy did, and okay. now I know. Twelve each egg yolks, one pound of icing sugar, one cup dark rum. Ooh, one cup brandy. Yes, two quarts of cream, twelve egg whites and nutmegs. You beat the yolks with the sugar, pour in the liquor, add the cream, and refrigerate for an hour or more. Whip the whites and fold into the cream mixture. Serve topped with nutmeg. Yum and so decadent. I love it. Thanks, Liz. That's awesome to have a, a whole recipe. Good. Yeah, that's great. That's, that sounds really that, good. That's yeah. not unlike the, the, the Harrison family eggnog with the entire bottle of rum and the entire <laughs> bottle of bourbon. <laughs> and um, I'm going to let you read this one. You're a good reader. Well, Go gee, ahead. thanks. You're welcome. God, <laughs> so generous. Whenever this cold weather hits, this is from Benny in Baltimore. Uh, I always make this slow cook recipe that my mother used to make from a Dear Abby recipe called No Peaky Stew. (laughs) (laughs) No Peaky. Uh, It's kind of like a beef stroganoff. I slow cook beef cubes in Campbell's cream of mushroom soup in a thick iron-covered pot. I add a bit of dry Lipton onion soup mix, two cups of water, a whole diced carrot, uh, shallots, red potatoes, and peas. Mix it all up into a stew and cook in the oven for about three hours. When it's done, I put the stew on top of thick egg noodles. It makes the house smell so lovely. That's nice. It sticks to your ribs, and best yet, it reminds me of mom. That's nice. That's excellent. Love it. And ben, Benny's question for me is, what would you drink with this? What, what, what was what was it called? No peaky? No peaky stew. <laughs> I love well, that. It would have to be a, it would have to be a wine where I wrapped it up in, in, in tin foils so you couldn't see it. So I could serve them no peaky wine. Yeah. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. Then they have to guess what the wine is. All right, so I'll tell you, you exactly what I would serve. I would serve, there's a very good wine producer named Dave Torbrick from Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Dave has just started coming back in the U.S. market. And he has a bottling that's very reasonably priced. I think it's on the shelf for 20 to $25, called Riverside, that is built sort of like a Cote de Rome, has the richness you'd expect from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, Shiraz, uh, what they'll call it Mataro, but Movedra and Grenache, a blend. But the wine is really balanced and quite good. And he's, he's a talented guy. This is not one of that's those... Awesome. Good. Huge alcoholic, almost like barbecue sauce kind of things. That, mm-hmm. It's not that we yeah. saw for some years out of Australia. Okay, cool. But yeah, that's the the. It's Dave Powell, and Son, uh, that that's the label. So, I would look for that. 
And we should probably wrap this. Okay. This was pretty decadent. That you was had, fun. You had to like this. We started with cold weather, mm-hmm. and we did decadent. So mm-hmm. I was you know, going to talk uh, about caviar. <clears throat> yeah. But no. We'll, 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 Another we'll, decadent we'll show. The, the caviar. <laughs> Good Lord. And you didn't even get anything about fine jewelry. Um, <laughs> if you want to download this program or any one of the others, uh, please go to the Fine WYPR website, WYPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, uh, and you have a whole drop down with all sorts of episodes, this being the only one about decadence. Mm-hmm. If you want to email us, reach us foremanwolf at wypr.org. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Instagram as Chef Wolf, on Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf, and on Twitter as Chef Cindy Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday. Listening to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine here on Your Public Radio, 881 WYPR, made possible by the Maryland Department of Agriculture's Maryland's Best Programs.